So it's match eve here in Samara, about 2.05am, and I'm in a pizza bar, and I've met one of Samara's major drummers, percussionists, and what is your name? Not only percussionist. Not only percussion? <laughs> yes, also drum set, drum Snare drum? Snare drum, drum set. Drum set? And percussionist. Uh, what's the name of your percussion group? Uh, percussion group, uh, Ashe Drums. And uh, uh, snare drum, drum show, Loud Street Girls. The Loud Street Girls. And are you very famous here in Samara? In Samara we're famous, yes. Yeah. And have you travelled Europe? Uh, we travel Asia. Wow. They love drummers? Yes. More than Indian, Russian? Indian uh, love drummers. Yeah. And when you see drumming in the stadium... Do you think it's very good drumming from the football fans or average? We played uh, in percussion drums with Asha drums in stadium in Samara. Really? Yes. So you've been in the stadium for the entertainment. And maybe tomorrow we will see other drummers from Taliyati City. It's near to Samara. Uh, they will play tomorrow over there. So they got the job. Maybe we will see. They got the job and Loud Street Girls didn't get the job. No, we we play in the FIFA Fest. In the FIFA Fan Fest? Yes. What time? Um, three days ago we played and we will play in July. Okay, okay. So, well, it just goes to show you can meet very major drumming celebrities at 2.05 in a pizza shop. And uh, it's very nice to meet you. Can you give me a little bit of drumming here? Can you give me some drumming on the table? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Some really good ones. It's not bad. <laughs> it's the World Cup road trip. It's match day number two. It's now do or die for the Socceroos. We're in Samara, we take on Denmark. Once again, the sun is shining and Tony and I will be right amongst it. I'm here at the Green and Gold Army function pre-game at Samara. And I'm talking to a man I've known for 25 years uh, and we met through a very different sporting circumstance, Shane Crawford. How are you? I'm great, yeah. This is a very a, a unique experience for me because I'm not... Um, I haven't been obsessed with the round ball game. Um, I'm obviously a, a supporter of the Socceroos, but, um, yeah, this is very different for me. I've, I've only ever been to... A couple of games, a friendly game um, with the Tottenham Hotspurs back in Melbourne and also I've been to an Asian Cup game with Australia. But apart from that, um, yeah, this is this is fantastic. It's just all the, the Aussie army coming together, um, everyone having a wonderful time and supporting the Socceroos just to have a crack. That's all we want is to be kept competitive and hopefully score a few goals. And, um, yeah, so far it's been incredible. And keep the flame alive. And you've made a reasonable sacrifice. You've missed the 10-year reunion of the 2008 <laughs> Premiership side. Well, that's you? it, yeah. So the first game um, was right when that was all happening. But um, I spoke to the club and did a few things for the, the footy club in the lead-up. And I just said, I really want to be here, but it's all clashing. Um, and, you know, it is work, supposedly. I'm meant to be here for the footy show, but I'm not working too hard. And... Um, and they said, oh, we're going to put something on for the players later in the year, you know, where you can just all go together to a pub and have some have some fun. So I said, oh, that's good enough. Okay. So well, I know they had a great weekend. They had a wonderful win. And, 
uh, I'm sure they'll be supporting the Aussies uh, like we all are. Is there a feeling? Do you ever get it from the from the football round ball supporters? Do they do they give you a stick? You know, in the sense that I guess uh, AFL is such a dominant code in Australia, and I know that there's chipping away that happens uh, from supporters of football who feel sometimes like uh, that yes. the AFL media yes. do they do they front up to you here and, uh, and give it to your face? Yeah, there's been a few. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And uh, I said, I'm same reason you're here. I'm here supporting the Aussies, getting right behind them. Um, yeah, making sure, um, you know, we show them that we, uh, we're right behind them, especially on the world stage. So, no, everyone's been welcoming. There's a lot of people here who still follow AFL footy. Um, they've got a great love. And you can have a love for both games. Um, there's a lot of people that I know, a lot of good friends of mine who love the round ball game and love AFL footy as well. So there's definitely room for everyone. Um, and when you think about it, it's, it's Australia. It's, it's a country, you know. It's where we're all born and... It's the country we uh, we all love and, and we all respect. So um, we're here on the world stage in Russia, um, having a great time, but most importantly, getting behind the green and gold uh, army and making sure everyone has a great time and hopefully get a win for the Aussies. And how many games was it for the Hawks? 305. Which is 305 more than me. We were drafted <laughs> the same year. Um, yes, what yes. are your memories of me as a, as um, a blonde-headed recruit to the Hawks? Very mobile, <laughs> moving forward. Um, pre-season, that's all I can remember. I was just, yeah, like, we had the pre-season, that's when we had the bricks. they get the bricks out and we'd have to lift all the bricks at the end of the sessions. And um, that's when we weren't allowed to drink too much water. Back then, <laughs> the, science, the science wasn't um, where it was today. Um, well, it's like, Joyce. water is weak. You don't need water. <laughs> Whereas now, if you turn up dehydrated, you get fined and suspended. So, yeah, things have definitely changed. But, um, no, it's been, yeah, it was an amazing um, time, sort of going through the roller coaster of an AFL club. But, but it was great to finish, um, you know, finish on a high. And hopefully we're going to finish on a high at the after the next couple of games here with the Socceroos, well, which would be fantastic. It's great. That it's a really that reaffirms pretty much what most people think about my AFL career, which is that you remember me from pre-season. Not well, I, said, I said an agile moving forward. Agile. My friends will now think uh, this has definitely been set up. Uh, excellent, mate. Uh, really good luck to the Aussies and, and great yeah. to see you here. Good to see you in Russia. In the background there, we're at the Green and Gold Army pre-game function. In the background, you can hear a kind of slowed down groove version of Seven Nation Army. I'm here with Martin. How are you, Martin? Tony, I'm doing great. Now, I heard an amazing fact about this football anthem last night, and that is that it was written at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne. There was a... Did you know that? I did not know that. So, the White Stripes were playing the Corner Hotel before they released uh, Red Blood Cells or whatever that classic album was. Yeah, yeah. Not well. And, uh, and Jack, Jack White came onto the stage and, and said, hey, we've been mucking around with this. What do you think of this? And he played that riff. It's an and answer. So there are many, it may be urban legend, but there are Melbournians who say they were there on the night that Seven Nation Army was written. That's sensational. I'm gonna, we're going to chant it out tonight. So. It, it's amazing how... Uh, sort of uh, ubiquitous it is now in football. Gold, absolute gold. Excellent. Enjoying the tour? Mate, loving the tour, loving every bit of the lazy days and pumped for today. So, Are we going to win? We are We are going to win. I was in the elevator this morning with one of the um, training staff, Dutch as he was. He um, assured me 
that we had a victory lined up. So it'll be a 30 meter Naboot screamer. It's gonna be good. It is. It's gonna be unbelievable. It's gonna be from outside the penalty area, and it'll be remembered as one of the great goals in World Cup history. And we'll be able to say he was playing in the Malaysian second division 18 months earlier. And first half. It's gonna be in the first half. I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be Jamie McLaren. We um. We saw him sneaking out of the hotel about 10.30 last night, sneaking through the back door of the kitchen. So um, i got a feeling he might not be starting today. Uh, you think he might have been drowning sorrows? got a feeling. He had, uh, some, he had some other plans on his mind. <laughs> that is a scoop. That is a scoop. He, 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 he walked out the back door. I don't know where he's going. But, you he know. might have just been trying to gulp in some fresh air that wasn't He, he could have been going for fresh air. We, we put other stuff on it. So. <laughs> We're outside the Green and Gold Army function, just hours to go before the game. Standing next to Simon Hill, who's wearing his aviator sunglasses. He's, <laughs> he's, uh... Can I just tell you that they were purchased in uh, the airport this morning because I sat on my previous pair <laughs> on the plane. So that's why I've got new sunglasses on. Well, no official duty, Simon, and we will miss you in Australia, I'm sure, in terms of commentary. But what's your feeling in the, in the, in the gut right now? Uh, I'm a little nervous, I have to say. Um, that's based upon the fact that they played so well against the French. I hope they can reach the same level. I think they're going to have to. Um, we, I think we tended to look at this group and think, right, well, France are the outstanding team. The other two, were, you know, they're OK. But actually, Denmark are a very good side. Peru are as well. You know, they're all ranked in the top 15 in the world, all the three teams that we face. So uh, Christian Eriksen, I think, is a particular threat for us today. Um, if we don't get a hold of him early, then you know it could be problems. But having said that, I think we can take a lot of encouragement from the game against France. I think we need a little bit more offensively today. That, that's, the, that's the key. Um, we didn't really create a lot against France for understandable reasons. Um, but we need to do a bit more of that today if we're going to go through. So this is the moment in every four-year cycle where people who know not much about football start pontificating, me. Yeah. Uh, pontificating <laughs> about, so we sharpen ourselves up at the front by moving in uh, moving in Tommy Urich and we pull, pull the boot out wide and all yeah. these. So what do you actually think will happen in terms of the moves, the change in the team? It, it's interesting that you say that. I've been looking at some of the, the coverage back in Australia and there seems to be you know, a big clamour for Tim Cale to start, which I, I find rather baffling. That's no disrespect to Timmy. Of course, he's a legend. He's one of the best, if not the best, we've ever produced. But, you know, Timmy's an impact player these days uh, and he's not played really enough minutes. So I think Tommy Juric should start today. That's only my opinion. And mine doesn't count for a hill of beans. It's Burt's that counts. Uh, but I think Andrew Naboot played really well against the French, but he ran himself into the ground. I think, you know, what I said earlier about needing a bit more out of the, the team offensively, Juric and Moy are the, the combination that worked for us during the qualifiers. Moy got nine assists more than any other player. Tommy Juric scored five more than any other player. So, to me, you know, if we can get those two in, into good areas in, in the final third, then we might have, might have half a chance of scoring. You watched Moy the other day and think this guy is marked for greatness, that he's... I, I know he's not underrated in Australia. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of I think, rated as our best player in, yeah. in the country. But the, how he played on that stage, uh, it, it sort of, to me, it, it signified... Uh, you know that he is underrated. He's actually yeah. a world-class player who may end up at one of the really big clubs. 
Yeah, I think. Look, I think you might be right, and I thought it was it was a very disciplined display by both him and Miller Yedinak in those deep lying midfield roles. Um, what I'd like to see from Aaron, and I've alluded to this already, is is a little bit more of him going forward because we know he can create uh, chances and goals. Um, obviously, he didn't have that uh, job per se against the French. It was more uh, to keep things tight, and I thought his defensive work was outstanding. Uh, you know, breaking up the play and not giving the ball away, and that's what he's good at. Um, so hopefully we might see him a little bit higher up the pitch today. Personally, I'd start him as a 10. I, I would bring in Jackson Irvine. Uh, no disrespect to Tommy Rogic, I think he's a fabulous player. But I don't think Tommy's in his best moment with the national team at the moment. I, I'd like to see Aaron further up the pitch with Jackson Irvine's energy uh, detail to you know provide that cover for Christian Eriksen. But we'll, we'll see what Bird does. And who marks Eriksen? Well, it's a sight for me. Uh, you know, I don't know whether you man mark him specifically, but... What Ericsson is very good at is drifting into space uh, and getting away from markers. So I, I think that energy of Jackson Irvine to be able to go for the full 90 minutes, uh, whether he's got the tactical discipline to do it, of course, is a completely different thing. But I, I would be looking at him thinking, yeah, I think he's the guy for us that could maybe... It's easy to say, isn't it, on the sidelines, but maybe snuff out Ericsson at least to a degree. Excellent. Well, have a fantastic... Uh game. Uh, did you enjoy the England result? Were you, where did you see <laughs> I was it? relieved. Uh, yeah, I went, to, I went into a bar in central Moscow and met up with a couple of friends. Um, I mean, it, I've watched England's last two friendlies and it was a similar story. Very good in the first half. Didn't really put the team, the opposition to bed. Uh, they should have been 3-0 up against Tunisia and in the end they made really heavy weather of it. But look, they got the win. That's the important thing and, uh, you know, hopefully they can build on that. They're not going to win this World Cup. Uh, but if they could get to the round of 16 quarterfinals, I think that would give them something to build on. I think they've got actually a, a generation that's that's got a fair bit of potential over the next one or two World Cups. But I think this one's a bit too early for them. Well, uh, and a mid-tournament prediction? Who's going to be the winner? Mid to Are we mid-tournament? Oh, no, we're I don't early. Know we're there. Yeah, it's only quarter uh, time. Yeah. Of all the teams I've seen... and. It's difficult because the likes of Germany, France, Brazil, Argentina, I think they're going to come good uh, at some stage. It is very early, but you can only go on what you've seen. I think the Belgians uh, were terrific. And again, you know, with the rider that they only played Panama, no disrespect to them, but they've got some brilliant players, Lukaku, uh, De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, etc., uh, etc. Et so, you know, I think, for, and again, I'm basing this on, what, 10, 12 matches. I think the Belgians could be a, a dark horse. We'll see. Great, Simon. Thank you very much. Cheers. So just getting ready for our latest World Cup game. Feeling nervous about this one. Always tough the second time. The adrenaline of the first game has passed and, and now it's survival time for the Socceroos. And having to go through the match day ritual of packing your bag, putting everything away in your hotel room. You don't want to leave anything out. Not that anything's going to be taken, but you just don't want to tempt fate. So you go through your checklist all your electronics in the bag, anything valuable in the safe. And then the really serious stuff, making sure you've got your passport, check. Your fan ID, because you can't get through the gate without that, you've got that. And then the most important thing of all, the match day ticket. There'd be nothing worse, and we've had a few people lose their tickets on the bus to the game. That is a stone-cold horror show when that happens. So we've got to make sure you've got all that stuff packed and ready to go, locked and loaded. And off to the stadium. We'll catch up with Tony on the other side of this at the, at the uh, Green and Gold Army event. And uh, then we can have a chat, a uh, nervous chat about what might unfold this afternoon in Samara. We have been blessed by the weather. It is following us around the sunshine. Uh, and today will be another golden day that, in that regard.
So I'm sitting in our hotel lobby, and who should I run into but Australia's finest football journalist who just never sleeps because he's always down here on his laptop, my good friend Dave Devruch. <laughs> Dobre, David. How are you, Frankie? Uh, you're not wrong. Last time you saw me, I was uh, churning over a beer uh, late last night. Now I'm on a uh, double espresso uh, trying to get my last story through before kickoff. How are you feeling about today? Look, I'm a football pessimist by nature. I always assume the worst and I'm delighted by the best. The Danes haven't conceded a goal in five games, haven't lost in 16. Why should I go to this one with any hope, Dave? Give me something to believe in, mate. Because we're Aussies and we're optimistic. <laughs> the glass is always half full, Frankie. <laughs> Look, the Aussies should be underdogs and, you know, I think the, the figures, the betting odds suggest that they are and, and whatnot. And um, that's... With all due respect to the Danish team, I think they're ranked 12 or 13. They, you know, got through a European qualifying group, um, a tough group and a continent where the likes of Italy and, and Holland missed out. And you look at their team on paper, it is superior to Australia's. But um, the Socceroos would have taken massive confidence from that first performance. And um, they've really heeded Bert van Marwijk's message more so than I thought they would, um, you know, when from when Bert took over. And looking at their training sessions, even their last session yesterday, mate, Mirage is sky high. They are really getting on well. Um, they enjoy Bird. It is quite light-hearted and uh, I, I just think all the ingredients are in place for them to put in a good performance today and uh, I guess the question will be whether they can find that you know elusive and decisive goal or goals. What's been the reaction with other foreign journalists that you've been sharing the press box with about the way the Socceroos have gone about things? Their impressions about what they expected and what they saw in that first game? Yeah, everyone's um, quite upbeat about the uh, you know, the Aussie performance and, uh, you know, speaking to some of the Danish um, journalists, you know, they're, they're not that confident. You know, they weren't overly impressed or enthused with their own team's performance and they thought Australia was, was quite good. Very similar styles, both quite pragmatic. Um, you know, they're obviously really reliant on one Christian Eriksen, a, a real favourite of yours, Frankie. Spurs fan. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, he, he obviously, I think 70% of their qualifying goals came through him. You know, goal first or second assist. So, so basically... Basically, Yednak needs to kneecap him. Is that what you're saying? I Just quietly? Within the first three minutes, <laughs> you'll see the bearded one absolutely go through him. And we hope he does. The Aussies intimidated the French the other day. And, um, look, the Scandinavians are a big team. Uh, Van Marwijk made mention of that yesterday. Six blo- blokes above uh, 190 centimetres. Almost like they're fielding a, an AFL side... Uh, out there, Frankie. But no, it's, the, the physicality will, will come into play. And, and it's more so, it won't be the one-on-one marking. Um, Bert's big on the whole, you know, the, the working as a team, the structure and keeping the lines tight. And, and Yedinak and Moy were really, really good and really disciplined last week. And you get the sense that Moy um, prefers playing alongside Yedinak, a little bit more sort of protection. You're starting to make me believe a little bit here, Dave. Yes. And we're both Saints fans in the AFL, so we could be, <laughs> we could be due for another crushing fall. But I'm going to take all of this on board and go to the stadium with hope in my heart. Just for those who are listening back home, who are uh, still trying to get a sense of what it's been like to be at a World Cup again. Uh, How have you described your experience? I know you're in the heart of it working, so you're you know, head buried in that uh, laptop with beer in hand most of the time. <laughs> but just give them a sense of what it's like to be in the middle of this carnival. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I've been you know blessed to have covered uh, four... World Cups previously, so I've got a few to compare it to, and I, you know, we're both in Germany. That was unbelievable. But you know, I think a lot of uh, conceptions or misconceptions about Russia have been absolutely smashed um, on this tour. 
It started off slowly. Um, to be honest, Russia's 5-0 and 3-0 or 3-1 wins uh, have been pretty important because, you know, the home team really does set the tone um, in terms of the uh, the atmosphere. But um, even in Kazan the other night, watching the Russian team uh, play against Egypt and the Iranian fans started trickling in, like, it was unbelievable. The, it was just such an electric vibe out on the streets and, you know, all the fans intermingling and all that. Unfortunately, we hear so much about, you know, know hooliganism and riding and, and all that sort of stuff mate there's been none of it um and when and, and even when there is i mean like anything francis it tends to get sensationalized but it, it has just been such a great vibe for anyone that hasn't been to a world cup um Put it on the back at least. You've got to do it. You've just got to do it at some stage. It's just such a great way to meet people because it's just one big month-long party, isn't it? It is. And I'm lucky enough to have shared a few of them with you and I will buy you a celebratory beer (laughs) while you're slaving over the laptop tonight if we win, David. You're a good man, Frankie. Here we are. We are now on the 3K walk to Samara Stadium with a... Uh, with the green and gold army, and there's a lot of yellow to be seen. And one of the people I've seen on my right is uh, is a tour standout. She's winning votes from many comers here. And Kat, um, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. You've done the you've done the face paint. You've done the full flag on the face. Yeah. Um, tell me now. I believe you're quite superstitious, both in your football career and in your sports watching. Can you talk me through your pre-game routine? So my for pre-game for myself is it's left like sock right sock left shin guard right sock left boot right boot like that way it has to do the whole time otherwise game's off then when you get on the field you go three steps to the left touch the pole six steps to the right touch the other pole three back to the middle touch the top clap your thighs clap your hands and you're good to go yep and you know give your thumbs up to the ref so you're a keep keeper, a keeper. yep and then I kind of translated that into my Socceroos match day. So it's, you know, face paint, hat, jersey, you know, left sock, right sock, left shoe, right shoe to keep it going. And then you do three claps on your thighs and three claps of your hands pre-game because I'm not doing the side steps in the stadium. Did you put your hat on before your jersey? Your dread, your golden dreadlocks go on before your shirt, do they? Yes. <laughs> now you left me here in, in, in imagination land. I'm not showing that for the podcast, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, Tony, here we are, match day again at a World Cup. As often as we do this, I still feel as nervous as a kitten. No, it's absolutely, it's walking on air time. We can't believe that you're wearing the colours and we're surrounded by Australian supporters. We're actually at a hunting lodge. Um, and that might sound like you and I have uh, whacked on the little earmuffs and stuffed some shot into a, Musket. Few, into a, bit, a few double barrels <laughs> and we're about to blow away some Russian wildlife to ease the nerves. But that's not the case. It's, uh, it's just a pre-game party. Now, are you a football pessimist or a football optimist? Me, myself, I can't help it. Years of disappointment have made me a pessimist and I'm always delighted to be surprised by success. How about you? Well, I am naturally a pessimist in life, uh, but I force myself with football because who wants the dark cloud? Who wants me to walk in there and say, hey, you know Christian Eriksen is a three times better player (laughs) or three times more likely to score than anyone in in green and gold today. No one wants me to say that. So don't let empirical fact get in the way of hope. No. So what I do, Francis, I recommend this to you. Please, talk to me. A little 
ball of hope and you stuff it deep down in your tummy. Okay, I'm taking a deep breath. And then you fan it. You fan it with beer usually <laughs> and song. So if you fan that little ball of hope with beer and song, you can make it uh, grow into a fire in your tummy. And so now I, I walk around. I'm not crazy. I can't get beyond 1-0 Australia, but I'm now proclaiming to anyone who will listen that we're 1-0 winners today. Okay, I'm going to take that on board and I'm going to meet somebody that you have shared a World Cup experience with, a very special World Cup experience with back in Germany, in Berlin in 2006. Absolutely, yeah. Lazarus. Yes. Hello, Lazarus. Back from the dead. <laughs> Lazarus was on the streets of Germany and not many uh, Australians stay on and on and on, but in 2006 I was writing the book Australia United and I had an extraordinary run to the final. Basically, I was lying in the fan fest and I got a phone call from a ticket broker who said, we've got a spare one for free. Do you want to get here? A spare one for free? That's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket stuff. I know. And Lazarus was already going to the final. Yes, I was. It was by, by, by chance. I'd managed to get a ticket from a friend who wasn't, wasn't able to get to the game. So I was so lucky to actually get to the final, my, my only final that I've seen. So it was amazing. And then uh, just ran into Tony and recognised him. And then all of a sudden, we were spending the day together. We, we, he took me on a tour of Berlin we had a walk around and then I headed off to the game thinking poor Tony's missed out and then finally he yeah. got in so yeah, no, well, what a day it was and I guess when people talk about um, the, the ultimate sporting event I don't know whether it has the ultimate fans it's a bit, it's a bit AFL grand final yeah, a bit sterile because it's so corporate yes. yeah, yeah but at the same time I have to say that the, the hairs stood up on the back of the neck when it, we, that was of course the France-Italy final that goes into extra time and then penalties. And before the penalties, the entire crowd was singing K Sarah Sarah. Yeah, and that, that, that was that, that was, was unbelievable. Whatever just following, just following Zidane having been sent off off of the headbutt. Yeah. To the, to the, so that was it was an amazing experience. Yeah, the sort of lifetime memories that you can carry forever. Maybe we'll make another one today, gentlemen. Oh, I hope so. And as, as I said, you need to do it, Francis. I don't want to hear any of this. What have you been saying to people? What have you been thinking? I've been saying nothing because I don't want to spread pessimism like a virus. So, so what do you actually go? I'm saying on the podcast, put it down. Put it down. It's going to be in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, <laughs> what do I think is really going to happen? Yeah, yeah, come on. Go, go, go. Go, De- go. Denmark 2-0. Shut up. Shut the That's right. That's right. That's you. That That's is just being honest. What it. do I want? Australia 1-0. Never confuse my desire. With my sense of reality. So, and that's why we are $4 outsiders. Yes. And that's why they are $1.50 favourites, aren't they? I think at the end of the day, what happened against France and the way we played against France will be either determined by the fact that we either were a better team and we do well against Denmark today, or France just didn't play that well on the other game. But I hope... I pray that Australia were amazing and they will dominate today. Lazarus, you have a direct line to the man upstairs or the woman upstairs. Pray to the football gods that I am wrong. Shall we go and enjoy some Let's of the party it. and wake away these nerves? You're going to win today? Yeah. How much? 2-1. Uh, 4-1. 1-0. Two nil. Uh, uh, yes, we're going to win. <laughs> we're about to go through the turnstiles. This time, France is not beside me, and it is a buzz again. World Cup games. I promise you, there's nothing like them.
So we're through the gates of steel now, Tony. Once again, we've passed the security check. We're in the uh, shadow of the uh, Samara space deck that's built like a like like the ELO have landed there. Their spaceship <laughs> in the of Russia. It is the Elysian Fields of Sport. When you're through the security check, they can't get rid of you really unless you stuff up <laughs> and you've passed every test as a spectator. Let's go. Let's spectate. We couldn't feel better going in. We've had a great afternoon, morning. My little ball of hope that you planted the seed is yeah. now growing it's, inside. It's warming. Is it warming you? It's going to sustain was you it, for at least the first 20 minutes. So you're in a bus that was singing. So presumably, has your ball of hope been sustained by Daryl Braithwaite's horse, horses? That and a bit of Never Tear Us Apart by NXS. Yeah. That's, that is the, the most effective wind of this uh, little ball of hope is uh, is something by Chisel or, or, or possibly uh, just anything. Just, just go back to the cannon. Yeah, it was cannon. It was cannon on the way in. Let's hope we have a, a game that we remember for the ages as well. And your prediction is it was 2-0 an hour ago I'm, the wrong way. I'm praying 1-0 Australia. Yeah, that's what you do. You always say 1-0 Australia no matter the odds. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're going for. In we go. side of the dreaded magic box of VAR. I'm here with Michael Edgley, director of the Green and Gold Army, who's got the massed ranks behind us here. Edge, where are we placed, do you think? Oh, amazing. Um, five, five or six days ago, the VAR was our worst enemy. <laughs> Today, it's our greatest friend. But uh, really, the, the boys, I thought, have been playing very well. They've been pushing forward, using the width of the ground. Um, Cruz could be maybe be doing a little bit more for us, but he's making very good runs. I'm pretty excited about the second half. We must win this game today. You and I have been to a lot of uh, World Cup games together. How important is this one for us all? We've travelled a lot of miles for a win. Uh, my good friend Lazarus Papasava said to me that this would be the greatest World Cup victory in our history if we won today. Considering what's at stake, you know, I, I think... I think our community and the opposition, I think our community now expects more than honourable performances. We want some scalps. We get a win today and we go into the Peru game. Oh, could you imagine what that would be like? Okay, 45 minutes to make it happen. We're going to ride this one home, baby. Well, I'm with Edge and Lazarus, full-time, 1-1, Australia, Denmark. And as good as we were, Edge, we still don't get the chance to drink from the cup of success. It's a little bit of a similar story, isn't it, Francis? We've played exceptionally well, created enormous chances, but we just didn't... We weren't able to put one away. The final third... Yeah, it's always been our problem. In this qualifying campaign, it's been our problem. But uh, you've got to be proud of the effort. I mean, we've got to say that. I think we were the better team uh, on balance, no doubt about it. What do you think, Les? Yeah, I think uh, Australia played as good as we could possibly have played tonight. I think the, the way we set up, the way we actually overran them in the last 20, 30 minutes, it showed, I think, a, a level of maturity, a level of, uh, I think, uh, 
strategy and professionalism that I don't think we've seen, but we lack the killer edge, we lack the killer, we lack the killer blow, and I think it's unfortunate because we certainly deserved it tonight. So, but we're going to the final game still alive somehow. It's got to all fall for us, but we're not going to Sochi without hope. We we al- regardless of the result against uh, between France and Peru tonight. We're going to be we're going to be alive. Um, we will need to win maybe by one or two two goals maybe minimum. But uh, we're still in this tournament. They're playing very well. And uh, it's all set up in Sochi, Francis, and we're going to be there. We are. Socceroos are coming over to acknowledge the fans, the Green and Gold Army and everyone else now. Let's have a listen. On to Sochi it is. Well, Tony... We're taking that long, familiar trudge away from the stadium, proud but empty-handed. We just don't get to drink from the cup of success. We don't. It was uh, at about 70 minutes, I just said, I want some luck, I want some luck, I want some luck, I want some luck. Finally, give me something where everything goes our way. And they, we dominated the game from that point, but the lucky blow did not happen. Wouldn't it be nice if you just had a card that you could play? You get to play it once in a lifetime. Well, yeah, maybe. No, that's not enough. Once every two years. That's what I mean. The luck card. Well, we played the Arzani card and that was exhilarating. I mean, I, I think it even would have come through the TV that there was a kid who's the youngest kid in the World Cup running at players and controlling the ball and and, and flashing the ball across the, the, the goal and it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty fun. We just want one to go in. It's hard to explain to people. It feels like two grand finals in the AFL terms in the space of nine days. It's the only way to describe it to people who are not really interested in the game or have never been to a World Cup game. It's that intense. You are that absorbed by it. Your heart rate is through the roof and at the end you sort of feel the, the thud in your chest of either disappointment or frustration. It's just... And we've got to do it again. Exactly. And it goes before the game. It goes after the game. It's a, it's a full day ordeal. Um, and, I mean, the, the positive is that we're live. We, if, if you had have said um, that we could go into the last game and it would be a live fixture for the Socceroos, a lot of us would have taken that. But the worry, I guess, is that a lot has to go right. Uh, we need France to thump sides, I'd say. A couple of five nils and suit us fine. But you know that little ball of hope you planted yeah, on the early? Yeah, yeah, where is it now? It's a little snowball rolling down the hill and gathering momentum. <laughs> it's a pretty flat face you've got. And there's been plenty of, uh, there's been plenty of, uh, of smiles that have been turned upside down. Yeah, it has. But hey, we'll ask our Danish friends here, how did you find that, uh, that today? How Good. did we find it? Yeah. Uh, I think we uh, came ahead too early and then we rested too much. We didn't play our game. Did we scare the and life out of you? You were better than I expected. Yeah. There you go. That's, a, that's a familiar refrain no, about the soccer no, no, Denmark was just uh, terrible. You know that we're good. That's the thing people don't understand. Australia, we're actually good. Australia is uh, really uh, terrible, but Denmark is no, <laughs> not that good. Australia is really, they are, they are a really good team, uh, placed uh, right on the field, no, no, on the pitch. No, no, okay. he's, not, he's not convinced. That's mm. all right. We're not France and we're not Brazil, but we're good. No. Australia and, uh, is not a good football team, and Denmark is neither. No. Yeah. Denmark is neither. You have so. a very good player, midfield player, Moy. No. He's really good to yeah, attack. whatever. No, Moy is He's good. But, but uh, the rest of the team is, is crap, and, uh, and so is Denmark. So. Hey, Tone, I think we've found a new carryover champion yeah. for pessimism. <laughs> yeah, you've got to come and do our... Uh, you need to do our piece to camera before the, the third Danish, game. Uh, coach, uh, he he used do, two substitutes, and he had three. He used two of them only. We have one of the best, best uh, attackers in, in Europe, Casper uh, uh, oh. Dahlberg, and we can't understand why he didn't put him on. Uh, no. Such is the frustration. Yeah, such is the frustration. That's the way, that's the way it goes. Okay, but, 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 but Denmark didn't deserve to win. They, they weren't good enough. Well, you don't so. have to tell us, mate. 
Good, good luck. But, but neither, but neither, neither did Australia. Australia. So neither well, then you got the right result. <laughs> All right. Good to meet you, lads. See ya. All right, Thank there you, you go. So um, can't please everybody, can you? Such is football. It's never about being just. It's about uh, the cruelty of life and the beauty of it all. Sometimes you win when you don't deserve to. Other times it just won't fall your way. But you get another shot, and we're going to do that on the Sochi tone. Yeah, on the Sochi. What's your name? Aliona. My name is Aliona. Aliona? Yes. Now, what sort of a what sort of a hat am I wearing today? Uh, so it's traditional Tatar Muslim hat. Uh, it's with green color because uh, it's the main color for Tatar people in Kazan. And oh, and what's the name of the hat? Is it got a name? Uh, the name of this no. hat is To Be Taker. Uh, <laughs> and is it sacrilegious for me to wear it? Okay. It's okay. It's fine. No one will find. That's uh, fine. That's good. Well, it fits in well with our costume. It's good. Okay. Nice to meet you. So we are going to, in true uh, rock and roll style, Wigan. Are you ready, Mr. Hill? Has everyone got the Yashanka on? In the bus. If you've got a hat, put the hat on, please. Hats on, everyone. Hats on. about to sing Joe Cocker. Francis Leach up there. Get the man a rider. Simon Hill on the drums! Yeah! Is it Chisel? I think it's Chisel. Simon Hill with that disciplined feet. is gone berserk for Francis Leach. He is going to get chaired out of here. He's going to crowd surf his way to the Denmark. Oh! Oh! I thought he was going to sing that. <laughs> it's uh, 12.30, half an hour past midnight, and we are just getting out of a taxi. But the taxi driver wants to, we're going to have a photo together, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. have a photo. Let's do it. Okay. Why do we have photo? World Cup. 
Uh, what? Australia World Cup. Uh, no. Why photo? Hello. Hello. How are you? Why do you take photo? Uh, yes. For photo for friends? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, what is your name? Tony. Tony. My name is Dmitri. Midri? Dmitri. 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 Well, yeah. thank you for uh, for driving me back to the hotel. And thank you for taking photo. Yeah. Thank you very much. No worries. Good luck. Good luck.